invested in this research um, principally because everything is changing so quickly. We need to help um, our customers, our partners understand the changing landscape so they can provide better advice uh, to either clients or their own internal uh, customers. That's Jeff Roars of Exact Target. He's our guest on this edition of the Society for New Communications Research podcast. I'm your host, Steve Lubetkin. Marketing used to be about campaigns and static tactics, and now it's about driving real-time engagement as brands have become the global sum of the conversations happening about them online. Exact Target's mission as a company is to help organizations better connect with their customers online, and one of the major catalysts behind the company's success is its commitment to serving and educating marketers around the world. In 2010, Exact Target tried to determine how marketers could connect with customers and deliver the right message at the right time and at the right place. The result was a groundbreaking research series, Subscribers, Fans, and Followers, or SFF. SFF explores the various ways in which consumers interact with brands across interactive channels, including email, Facebook, and Twitter. In 2011, Exact Target received an award in the corporate category from the Society for New Communications Research in its Excellence in New Media Awards. Jeff Roars is a recovering attorney and a Cleveland sports fan or victim, depending on your point of view. He serves as Vice President for Marketing Research and Education at Exact Target. In that capacity, Jeff spearheads the Subscribers, Fans, and Followers Research Series. Exact Target's Subscribers Rule Philosophy, and the company's annual Connections User Conference Programming. Over the years, Jeff has presented at a wide variety of industry events, including AdTech, the CMO Club Summit, IAB Mix, South by Southwest, Wired's Social Media Summit, and the Word of Mouth Super Genius. Before joining Exact Target, Jeff was President and Chief Interactive Strategist for Optium, a digital marketing agency based in Cleveland, where his clients included Sherwin-Williams, Calphalon, and Insurance.com. Jeff has a JD and Master's in Mass Communication from Boston University and a BS in Mass Communications from Miami University, where he serves on the advisory board for the school's Armstrong Center for Interactive Media Studies. We spoke to Jeff on a nice spring day over Skype, and you can hear the birds in his backyard as we chatted. Jeff, thanks very much for joining us on the Society for New Communications Research podcast. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. So, Exact Target won an award in the corporate category in the awards for excellence in new media. So tell us a little bit about what you folks accomplished and what it tells us about how people are using social media. Sure. So, uh, you know, first just a bit about who we are. Exact Target is a software as a service company. So we provide web-based software for um, organizations to communicate with their uh, subscribers, fans, and followers through email, social media, and mobile uh, channels. Um, and in 2010, we launched a research uh, series called Subscribers, Fans, and Followers, in which we sought to explore how consumers' relationships uh, with companies were evolving through these different channels. Uh, we had been based uh, in providing uh, email service uh, for a number of years, uh, but as consumers fragment both their personal and their professional uh, conversations across social and mobile uh, channels, we wanted to understand was it actually impacting um, their willingness to hear from companies through these new channels? Um, did they have new rules of the road for engagement that were different than email or 
uh, other um, direct channels of the past. And uh, it's been an interesting ride because um, uh, there's no question that the, those channels are quite different. Um, and each time we go out to market with a new survey, we discover a little bit of new information. So what were some of the things you found out in this particular research? Our, our research um, primarily has, has discovered that you know consumers have very different expectations <clears throat> when they engage co- a company through email versus Facebook versus Twitter, which sounds uh, perhaps uh, uh, an obvious statement on its face, but when we looked at how many companies were just treating consumers as uh, a list or you know trying to build up as many fans and followers as possible so that they could uh, batch and blast these folks with messaging, we realized that there was a hole in the market for understanding the nuances of each channel. So in the, in the email channel, what we discovered is that um, far from what kind of headlines would have you believe, email is not a dying medium, it's quite a vibrant medium. It's just that consumers have become uh, more restrictive on who they will allow in the inbox. Uh, permission certainly rules the day. They aren't necessarily overwhelmed with uh, spam and things of that nature. They feel um, pretty comfortable uh, with how the ISPs are handling that or the services they subscribe to are handling that. And ultimately, when they open the door to email communications, they're expecting something rather exclusive and that meets their expectations and is sent fairly regularly. So um, it's it's truly email truly is a subscriber medium. If you think about um, the world pre-internet, subscriber really was somebody like a, a magazine subscriber or a newspaper subscriber. And these were people who you'd pay in money, you'd give some sort of value to receive regular content uh, that was exclusive and it was delivered to your doorstep. And those same expectations are now what consumers have in the email channel. If they give you the email address, which is the value, they expect some exclusive content delivered to their inbox on a regular basis. Now, that differs greatly from the fan, Facebook, and follower, Twitter environments. In the, in the Facebook environment, the fan relationship truly is more emotional and fun. In fact, Facebook was the only channel where consumers uh, connected marketing and fun in the same sentence. Um, Facebook, for a lot of people, is kind of a guilty pleasure, but the primary reason they're there is not for any sort of marketing or marketing communications. In fact, of the top 10 reasons surveyed, um, not one had to do with marketing. And so marketers exist there by the grace of those fans who want to like brands because it says something about them. And what we discovered was a lot of brands are and and were um, incentivizing people to like them. But that initial like is a very thin activity. There's there's not a lot of value provided. Yes, it it counts them as a fan in your in your in your Facebook tally, but where Facebook shines is when you get ongoing engagement with that deeper level of true fan, uh, the the individual who wants to engage with your brand um, at a a deeper level or share um, tips about your product or talk to the community of people who share an affinity for your brand or your products and services. So that's really Facebook's strength is around community, fun, entertainment. Twitter, you know, to kind of wrap up, um, when you think of follower in a pre-internet world, um, and I do this, I do a presentation where I ask audiences about this, it's funny. Most people will shout out, you know, when I say follower pre-internet world, they'll shout out cults, religion, politicians. Um, 
and all of those are kind of humorous, but when you dig under the surface, you realize that the notion of a follower is somebody who wants to have kind of a filtered world view. They want to get a, a particular person or organization's worldview. The interesting spin we found in Twitter <clears throat> is, yes, people follow brands for that stream of information. They want to be kind of first to know, but they do so not just to follow. They do so because they want to be followed. So they want to then curate that information, be the first to provide it to their followers because of the cachet that gives them, um, the ability to gain more followers, the ability to have their own soapbox. So Twitter is is very much a place where you can get kind of behind the, the red velvet rope that used to keep us from them, celebrities from regular folks, brands from regular folks. That's why you see it, I think, excelling uh, in um, customer service. Uh, it's a kind of a, a channel of last resort for people. But at the end of the day, um, the interesting finding on, on Twitter was it's not just about following, it's about wanting to be followed. Now, you've got an enormous amount of information now about these different platforms and how people use them and expect to use them. What kind of advice can you give to marketers, either your clients or people who are not yet your clients, um, about the pitfalls that they face in using these platforms maybe inappropriately? So one of our reports in 2011 was called The Social Breakup, and we looked at why do consumers quote-unquote, break up with brands on email, Facebook, and Twitter, and otherwise, why do they unsubscribe, unfan, or unlike, and unfollow? And what we found across all three channels, and these three answers kind of varied on which were one, two, and three for each of the channels, but they were all the top, was either because the content became boring or repetitive over time, the brand was sending with too much frequency, or... Um, their their um, their inbox or their newsfeed on Facebook or their stream on Twitter had become too cluttered, and they were essentially cleaning house. So if you look at those three things, um, the first one, boring or repetitive over time, has to do with expectations and relevance. And so the first bit of advice for companies is you have to make sure that the expectations you set on the front end when they subscribe or like or follow are met with the actual content that you're sending. And in some subsequent research, we've you know discovered that a lot of companies miss on this very, very obvious piece. They start immediately sending things that are more about their needs to sell widgets at the end of a quarter or a year than it is to meet the needs of that uh, customer or consumer through the channel that they've chosen to engage them. So that, that first piece, boring or, uh, you know, um, a kind of irrelevant can be really focused on making sure you're leveraging the, not, the data that you know about this customer, making sure that you're then providing content based off then that, that data that is personalized to the extent possible, and making sure that, um, that you're varying your content so that it's not essentially promotional messaging every single time. Uh, in fact, we're about to release a, a new report in the retail space and we looked at the, uh, the fastest growing 100 retailers in the United States. And we subscribed to all of their emails and, and, and liked them on Facebook, followed them on Twitter. One of those retailers we discovered in a 30-day period after initial opt-in was sending 35 emails, all of a promotional nature. And so there's a real desperation there to you know buy, buy, buy from us. 
that turns off consumers. And what they do is they unsubscribe. They, they're just a button click away from clicking that unsubscribe link or clicking spam or clicking delete. And in this environment, delete sometimes is almost, without an open, is almost as bad as a unsubscribe, if not worse, because it can impact your overall email deliverability. Now, in Facebook, engagement is equally important <clears throat> because if you are posting messages and nobody, no one, not one of your fans is engaging with you in a, in a form of liking, commenting, or sharing, your posts simply don't get distributed to the totality of your fans. In fact, Facebook, when it released its timeline and its new uh, sponsored stories ad format, uh, finally confirmed that of all your newsfeed posts, only about 15% of your fans are going to see them. So engagement is critically important, not just in email, but also in Facebook and Twitter, so that you're getting further distribution of your messaging. So I think that the, the days of just sending things, um, you know, it's kind of the, a, a corollary to the, the old uh, website mantra of build it and they will come. Um, as more websites got on the web, build it and they will come just didn't work. You needed to drive audiences and engagement in other ways. The same thing is now true through these one-to-one -one and social and mobile channels that you have to drive engagement beyond the initial subscription, like, or follow. And if you don't, then you're essentially just kind of talking into a vacuum. Nobody's going to hear you or receive your message. With all of this knowledge about um, how people should be interacting, why do you think that companies still seem to resist uh, the engagement, the two-way conversation in favor of the one-way megaphone? Uh, great question. And I think it comes down to the, the very real human element of any uh, marketing department. Um, Depending on the company, you can have a marketing department of one person or a marketing department of 500. And interestingly enough, the, the challenges are almost equally as great depending on whether you've got few or too many people in, in, in the kitchen, if you will. In the case where you've got too few people, it's really a question of prioritizing your resources. And if that person's already overwhelmed, Engagement is going to be very difficult. Making that two-way conversation is going to be difficult in their mind because they've already got all this other stuff on their plate. How am I now going to engage through Facebook? Um, you know, because Facebook tends to be more of a day-parted medium right now, at least in terms of brand engagement. More of the usage happens after business hours than it does during business hours. Um, so, you know, for that individual, you've got this real challenge and this real stress that, God, this, you know, this marketing job is, you know, eating my life because I'm now a 24-7 worker. On the flip side of that, in a very large organization, you've got the problem of it being very siloed. And you've got, you know, a group dedicated to email. You've got a group dedicated to the website and maybe search marketing. You have this new group that's come up that's very hot and young and, and a shiny object in social media. You have maybe some people... Uh, looking at mobile, and unless those groups are talking to each other, they're not going to connect the dots on how they have to um, make the conversations a little bit more of a two-way conversation, or at the very least, aggregate and leverage the data that they have about their subscribers, fans, and followers in a way that can automate the content so it's more personalized at the individual level. The technology is, is there where you can personalize that messaging 
It's a question, though, can the organization overcome that human element? Can these teams collaborate in a cross-functional way so then you truly do have cross-channel communication possibilities? Um, the other thing that in our research that I think underscores this is that these channels are not uh, subtractive, they're additive. So I think maybe a couple of years ago when social media really was garnering every single headline, um, you had people speculating that, oh, you know, Facebook's going to kill email or Twitter's going to kill RSS or, you know, all of these different proclamations. What we discovered is email is really the foundational element of, of really web communications and the one that produces kind of the greatest ROI. And you can think of, you know, the reasons why, you know, it's got the largest install base, you know, um, you know, um, anybody on the internet practically has an email address. That's not true with Facebook. That's not true with Twitter handles. So then you layer in Facebook, and now you've got this more fun and personal and engaging piece that also can go more viral because people share with people. And that's the holy grail of most marketers today. They would love to spend less money and get people sharing things. But again, in order to get them to share things, you have to make them relevant and resonant with their lives, which means you have to have more of those two-way conversations. And then with Twitter, <clears throat> it's a matter of having things that um, you know, are timely, great information that your audience you know, can share because of that followers wanting to be followed uh, mentality. So all of this, all of our research points to some very logical conclusions and I think the, you know, the future of marketing in, in this one-to-one -one fashion is certainly more personalized, a lot more um, leveraging of technology to automate uh, some of the, the pieces of, of messaging that uh, would otherwise be really kind of rote and mechanical and zap your marketing team's strength. Um, but in order to pull this together, uh, organizations are going to have to pull together their teams and they're going to have to be less of fiefdoms and more truly thinking about that customer experience and delivering the best customer experience and best customer conversations and customer service through these channels. And, and the organizations that can, um, can switch that perspective and, and I think organize accordingly so that they're not so siloed will have a huge competitive advantage in the coming years. Now, this research was also extremely useful for your company in terms of uh, business development. It, it was very successful in getting you some new business. Yeah, so um, you know we're, we're a firm believer in kind of a rising tide lifts all boats. So we've invested in this research um, principally because everything is changing so quickly. We need to help um, our customers, our partners understand the changing landscape so they can provide better advice uh, to either clients or their own internal uh, customers. Um, as part of that, um, you know, in providing this this research for free, it obviously pro uh, creates lead generation opportunities. And we have been uh, very fortunate that uh, it's been well received and picked up uh, and written about in Wall Street Journal, USA Today and elsewhere. Um, and as it has in, in providing that research for free, you know, number one, it gives you that, that direct lead opportunity where you can follow up and, and um, educate folks about what exact target has to offer. Um, but also just creates opportunities much like this one where I can go out and I can speak about these, uh, these different audiences um, in ways that uh, certainly um, our competitors aren't doing, um, but also in ways that help us inform the product and get feedback from the marketplace on what marketers are seeing. And it's been very validating to do that. Um, it's, it's rare that you get to kind of bring research to life uh, in that way. 
And um, I can definitely say over the course of the last two years, going out, speaking about the research, presenting our findings um, has helped get, get us feedback from the marketplace that's shaped research that we're doing now. So um, the, the one thing that is, is certain in today's marketing environment is change is the, is the main constant. Uh, but we believe that these three audiences, subscribers, fans, and followers, uh, even in a channel agnostic fashion, so, you know, subscriber can be email, but it also could be text messaging. It also could be a uh, YouTube subscriber. They subscribe to your channel. The concepts there, I think, of these different audiences and then how you meet their expectations um, are, are going to be, you know, perhaps... Uh, more of the rock uh, upon which we can attach our marketing strategies uh, in the coming years. And my firm belief, my thesis in all of this, is that the the companies that build these audiences, and not just one time, they they put in programs in place to um, constantly be acquiring new subscribers, new fans, new followers. Um, the companies that do that are going to have these, these engaged um at their demand audiences to activate that, again, are going to just provide tremendous competitive advantage over those companies that don't. So um, it's been a, a real blessing for us to, <clears throat> to have the research out in the marketplace, a lot of fun to go out and speak to it, and uh, remains a commitment for us to explore because there's certainly uh, no, no loss of questions out there. We've got a, a stack of them we'd like to answer in the coming years. Well, it sounds terrific. Congratulations on the award, and thanks for joining us on the Society for New Communications Research Podcast. Thank you very much, Steve. That's Jeff Roars of Exact Target, where he's the Vice President of Marketing Research and Education. And for more information about the winning entry from Exact Target, you can visit the Society for New Communications Research website, sncr.org forward slash node, N-O-D-E, forward slash 451. We produce this program in the studios of Lubetkin Global Communications in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, on the web at lubetkin.net. For everyone at the Society for New Communications Research, this is Steve Lubetkin. You can contact me at steve at lubetkin.net or on Twitter as Podcast Steve. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you out there on the net. Take good care. Bye.